Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders sharing thoughts and practical tips for growing your most valuable customers. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, founder and CEO at Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy. Welcome to this episode of Account-Based Marketing. From the start, we've been committed to aligning sales and marketing teams and really putting the customer at the center of everything we do. Uh, So I'm thrilled today to be talking and exploring the topic of how teams can drive more effective customer outcomes. And we're joined by no other than Sydney Mullings, General Manager, US Marketing at Microsoft. Sydney, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Great to have you with us. Sydney, I'd love for you to kick kick off. You've had a a, a very varied career and, and, and journey into a marketing leadership role. We'd love for our listeners just to hear a little bit more about who you are and, and the role role you currently do. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. I, I'd love to talk about my career. And it's probably a story that feels like seemingly disconnected steps um, that all ladder up to, to where I am today. Following an undergrad degree in international relations, I had a number of different early career experiences that helped me identify strengths in, in certain areas, areas like project management, process efficiency, Um, unblocking entrenched problems with technology, and frankly, building beautiful customer um, experiences and customer outcomes. I went and got a degree in something called human-computer interaction, which is all about how people interact with and hopefully are empowered by technology. And I really have had the chance to work in a number of industries and built an experience in a wide variety of companies and with a number of different users and the problems they're they're trying to solve. I came to Microsoft about 13 years ago, and I had the opportunity to join our consulting business and work with a wide variety of enterprise customers in the Chicago area and around uh, that region of the country. And since that time, I've held a variety of roles, both in the U.S. and with global remits, and been able to help the organization design and transform customer experiences, mostly in that professional services business, and really drive the internal transformation required to deliver on our growing customers' expectations. And so after about 10 years in that professional services world, I had a really amazing opportunity to move into our marketing and operations function about three years ago really, really interesting journey that you've been on, Sydney. And just thinking about parallels, uh, having really doubled down and focused on customer experiences, thinking about the professional services and consulting work that you've led, what's struck you as as being very similar as you've come into your your marketing leadership role? Yeah, it's it's a really great, great question. It's actually one of the questions that drives me in, in all of these career decisions is looking for the intersection of different functions and figure out how they overlap and, and of course, how they differ. And I think there's a number of really positive overlaps that I found that have been uh, quite gratifying. I think even though it's different disciplines, so clearly in marketing, I'm not working with people who are writing code or deploying software solutions or setting up technical infrastructure. But I think along the path of having my team figure out how to best connect with a broad set of users and start customer conversations, that the underlying similarities are really all around being able to figure out the customer outcome we're working toward, relationship building, project management. It's a lot of pieces that have to come together to get marketing and a campaign to work. 
consultation skills. Sometimes we really need to tell people what's the best next approach to take and um, that need to orchestrate across a number of factors to get to a, a beautiful outcome. I think I think those are all things that have been pretty similar. Yeah, really fascinating. And drawing on your business change experience, I know you've been involved in a number of um, transformations. And uh, we, we often, when we're working uh, with our clients, we, we look at uh, commercial transformation, how can sales and marketing teams change how they're operating? Just thinking about your, your marketing experience and, and where you're focused, which areas of marketing do you feel are most prime for transformation? Yeah, that's um, it's really interesting. And maybe that's part of what drew me <laughs> to, to this space. I think I'm really fascinated by the rapid and fairly recent growth of MarTech in, in marketing and the amount of tools and systems that are available, but also the, just the amount of sheer data that's available to marketing that's exponentially grown in, in recent years. And I think we're just at the beginning stages of how we can leverage and harness all that information to get to great insights uh, about how to best reach our customers in a way that works for them. And, and, and a really huge opportunity, I think, to leverage predictive analytics in a way to understand what's the next best marketing action, uh, and even to be clear on return on investment. I just see it as, frankly, quite greenfield um, with all of the this new data and how do we reason over it to get to some, some cool insights. I think it's, you know, fascinating in talking to other marketing leaders often hear that MarTech is a bit of a, a curse as well as a blessing, um, <laughs> that there's so many different tools, so many different integration points. And, and then when you look at data, you can often be, be drowning in data. But I know, Sydney, that you've got a, a very fresh perspective when it comes to, you know, how, how you look at, at data and insights. Can you talk me through, you know, how you <laughs> comes to decision making. Yeah, maybe fresh, maybe a little crazy. I think for me, because it is a gift and a curse. It's so much data that I think we can get a little um, wonky, if you know that term, a little over analytical. And so I, I know in the last year, year and a half, I've been enrolled, a number of people, they come to me with just pages of really small font and all these numbers. And I had to start asking, Am I happy or sad about what you're telling me? Do these numbers, you know, should it be a smiley face or a sad face? And if it's happy or sad, maybe tell me why we're happy or sad about the item. And I know that sounds silly almost and rudimentary for sure, but I think it's gotten us to a different conversation and allowed people to come and really talk about, hey, I'm excited about what I'm seeing in this data. The trends are saying you know, that we're able to access some new area we couldn't before, or, you know, we have this new approach that we want to try out. But I think that uh, smiley face or sad face, it's, it's, it's really gone a long way to get people to move into the insights around the data. Yeah, really. I think that's a really practical way to, to look at data because there's often so many different data points. Actually, what does it mean? By applying that rudimentary measure, you're able to just cut through the noise um, somewhat. How do you make sure that you're not losing sight of customer outcomes? Just thinking about you know, the Microsoft experience, thinking about how many data points you've got access to, you can get very internally focused very quickly. How do you make sure your data and insights are really focused on, on customers and the outcomes that you're driving for customers? 
Yeah, it's 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 maybe the ultimate question what what you're asking because we can be so internally focused and the advent of having so much data and even the proliferation of tools and systems you spend so much of your brain power on what's going on in, internally and so we've had to really be cognizant of that to really think about do we know what conversations our customers want to have and and frankly we get there a lot of ways by figuring out as leaders in our own large and complex business, as leaders also going through similar concerns, if you look over COVID of the last couple of years, like where did we need help? And then how do those conversations start to resonate with others when we have a very technical conversation with a customer, maybe very focused on a solution, they're asking other questions. They're asking the, well, how did you solve this problem in your own company? They're seeking that information out when they go and search for white papers and 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 sign up for events. It's really those conversations where we focus it back on our shared problem sets as, as companies, as employers, as managers, as leaders, that we found that we really get more uptake and excitement in our in our customers. And so knowing that and feeling that in the marketplace, we've really tried to shift our approach to those top level of conversations customers want to have with us. You know, how do you navigate remote and now hybrid work is one that really popped up and 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 use that as our guide to how to how to bring people together, right? They want to learn from each other, how to bring in important resources and voices and knowledgeable people into the conversation, and then certainly share the solutions we think we've built or leveraged inside of our own company and we, we think could add value for them. But it's really been critical for us to focus on the conversations the customers want to have with us, and then how do we connect with them there? Yeah, really interesting. So drawing on the data to spot those conversations and, and be primed to, to service those conversations. That's exactly. really fascinating. Um, I know we could talk about data for a long time. So just to pull us up um, 10,000 feet, um, what, what what do you think, uh, you know, marketing can do lots of things, but when it comes to great customer outcomes and you've, you've worked directly with um, some of Microsoft's strategic key customers, where, where do you think marketing can have the, the biggest impact? I think our our opportunity, our, our remit is to be that organization that's facilitating the research, that's facilitating the connections, that's providing information as customers are really starting to even form their thoughts about what they're hoping for, as they're even trying to understand their own circumstance. And so I think we've got a real opportunity to be there um, and, and shape the conversation really in those early stages and particularly to do that in a self-service way so that I'm just researching a topic. I don't want to have to sign up and go meet someone and have a whole conversation. So we have so many tools in our toolkit in in our toolkit in marketing that allows for that self-service exploration that allows us to connect um, our customers with information in a way and at a time that works for them and allows them to share that with others in their company that help them make decisions. And so I think that's really, really critical. I have a team within my organization, my account-based engagement team, that has a, a really neat opportunity to get very close and very deep with a small set of our strategic customers. 
And we learn so much in those interactions about what's going on in their broader industries, about how we can help tell the stories of co-innovation, frankly, in in those cases, that gives us a a really great insight that we can then help share and and shape what we do with, with the large set of customers that share the same problem sets. Yeah, really fascinating. Uh, that you really struck a chord there with me, Sydney, when you talked about facilitating the, the conversation with customers. I think so many of um, your accounts, your prospects are in this vortex, if you will, that they're looking to build consensus and decision making in their own process and, and how marketing can help facilitate that that buying cycle is, is a really critical step and, and definitely self-service. You touched there briefly on your account-based engagement program. Um, are you finding that you're able to deliver different outcomes through your ABE? program? Is it about harnessing those outcomes? Talk me through how you're, you're thinking about account-based engagement. It's been really fun for me to dig in deep with this account-based engagement team and to get a sense of the strengths and weaknesses and even the opportunities in, in that program. And, you know, we have a set of, I have a set of, of really skilled marketers who are able to spend the time and get to know our internal account teams, get to know well resources within these strategic accounts. And it's it's a great lab, if you will. It's a great way to have a experiment and work on hypotheses of what are solutions that we can help share with our customers? How do we build relationships? How do we understand the problem set? And so I think the real growth area for us with our account-based engagement is really becoming much more building our muscle on how we harvest those learnings and how we embed that into our broad marketing motions. And that's really the journey we're on now of what are those things that are just important to the overall industry that will resonate with a broader set of customers and, and, and so in that way, I see account-based engagement really as an innovation hub, as an incubation center for what we can do in, in engaging across our broader customer base. Yeah. And going back to the data conversation, in some ways, you've got a really rich ha- harvest of, of qualitative data in, in the knowledge and the insights that have been gained through engaging with those accounts um, and being able to test different strategies Really interesting. And what what kind of customer outcomes are you seeing being delivered through that innovation hub or through the rest of the wider marketing organization? Where where are you seeing the biggest impact and, and what sorts of outcomes are you seeing? I think one of the things we've recognized is how we have a big opportunity to help facilitate a particular customer outcome. And I'll stay with my remote or hybrid work scenario. Our our customers as all of all of us have been challenged, even here as I record <laughs> this session, with what does it look like to work in this new way? There's been questions about, you know, not just the technology that connects us, but also the environment, the the tools that we need, the practices that we need, the connections we need to make differently across our teams and our employees. And so really understanding that there's a large number of concerns that have to come together to reach an outcome of having a a continuously connected workforce that can still work effectively together. And then in our space to say, okay, well, who can we bring together? How do we bring in voices that understand kind of team dynamic differences and changes? How can we bring in people understand the technology solutions? How can we um, bring in people, we have real estate all over the world. So what are some of the physical building concerns that need to be addressed. And 
So as we've seen our role shift as less of a, hey, let's tell you about this specific product that we think is great for you and more about how can we create a community experience where there's joint learning and joint sharing. We see that as a real, um, has been a real positive with our customers and has really deepened uh, our overall relationship as, as we help bring those resources all together. And so I think that piece of being able to go deep and bring the resources and knowledge and experience that we have to um, assist our customer base, I see that as absolutely an area we'll continue to build on and explore as we go forward. And Sydney, you've talked about you know, personalization and, and engaging accounts before and, and how it's, it's about walking a fine line between making the customer feel seen without them, them being being surveyed, I think was uh, your, your comment. How can companies Strike, strike that balance. Yes, it's it, there is a there is a line you you have to walk there with with personalization and the best example I can I can give on this where I know it's affected me personally is there's a particular grocery store of which I'm a loyal customer and I use this service and I love them and I've created an attachment and periodically I open my mailbox and I see a mailer from them with my name on it. And included in is a set of coupons for the items that I always buy with them. I love that. I love this idea that they know, you know, they, they know I come to their store. They know things that, that I buy. And hey, don't even go looking for these coupons. Here they are for you to, to benefit from. The, the Where we cross the line is imagine if that same retailer combined my grocery shopping habits with maybe my prescription habits and started to target me with guesses about specific health conditions and you know how could they get me to buy new things well then it feels downright creepy and so we have to walk that balance of making sure we're welcoming people in and making it easy to do business with us and making sure they know and feel that we know them you know on a fairly individual basis but making sure we're only using the data in a way that they want us to use it, that that they've allowed us to use it and making sure we keep that that privacy lens um, and customer choice top of mind. Yeah, I think it's very easy to become creepy <laughs> with, uh, yeah. with personalization. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there for me of you know make, making it easy to do business with. Surely that, that has to be the, the value exchange when it comes to giving data, uh, making it easier for the, the, the customers themselves to engage as well. And Sydney, there's a research study that we conduct every year on the state of the profession and something that um, we saw about six weeks, two months ago now, is that very few sales and marketing teams are sharing the same goals, so have the same KPIs. I think sub 15% are, are focused in the same direction. Sh should they share the same goals? Are you seeing sales and marketing as a, a collective group or are they facing in different directions? Yeah, I mean, yes, you, you asked some great questions. I think... You know, one of the things I believe is that business units and teams should have a unique reason for being. That each each group, you know, has to have a distinct uh, remit and a set of goals that that team can rally around and that they feel excited about. You know, on the surface, when I say that, I think that makes sense to me. Until you have one, five, twenty-five teams sort of running around in different directions with different priorities and and seeking different outcomes. So I think the trick is, how do we ensure that each group understands the prime directive, the, the overall arching goal of the greater organization, and is clear on how 
each one individually or uniquely contributes to that broader remit of the company so that each team is clear on what they have to do to add to the success and what their individual and that their individual contributions are aligned to a greater good and that we are periodically reviewing those different goals and how they're accumulating to make sure that that's actually a healthy connection, that it's additive, but it, it can get super messy in the real world. <laughs> and, and, you know, you got to just kind of take that time to align on the prime directive and the individual contributions to the goal. So yes, there's got to be some overlap and some connection, but I think, you know, in order to have team kind of that team spirit and to make sure we're using everybody's skills in the best way, you have to have that outside of the Venn diagram piece where where each team is acting independently. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Have a reason for being, but but make sure that your objectives are laddering up to the same overall goal for the for the organization. How do you square that, Sydney, with customers? Um, your customers want sales and marketing teams to be aligned. They want those sales and marketing interactions to feel unified, not pulling against each other. Um, what, what would your advice be for sales and marketing leaders to create a more unified customer experience? Yes, I think I think that <laughs> right. It's a bit of a a bit of a Rubik's cube, right? Of getting all those pieces to come together. I think there's a maybe an opportunity on how can we be planful. So how it like I don't know if it's a yearly planning cycle or whatever that may look like. How are we making sure to have a real alignment moment across sales and marketing and making sure that we know what the goals are and we know that what we're doing is in service of the customers we jointly connect with and even who's who's on point or who's first and, and who's playing a support role? I think that's first and foremost. And then I think as campaigns come up or particular opportunities come up in market, it's really important to have a formal kickoff moment. Like, what are we doing together today? What are we doing on this new campaign or this new pursuit? Because I think it's human nature for folks to just want to start running, start acting, start doing. And often that happens that people go off in different directions. And so I think it's important to take the time as a team to make sure that there's joint understanding of the, the goals and that everybody can come up to speed. And, and that way you smooth some of those rough edges or awkward moments that customers end up feeling because you've had that moment to align. And then maybe the last thing I'll share, which is a bit of my consulting background that I can't shake, is how do you build in those moments to check in? I'm, I'm a big proponent of the after action review. Mm-hmm. I know that people call them postmortems. I've never loved that term because hopefully nobody's dying in the work we do. But I, you know, take some milestones and check in, like, is this working? Are we our best collective self? And what's the feedback we're getting from the customer? And then let's plan and, and, and adjust. And, I, you know, I've seen that um, technique bring some value in, in my last couple of years in marketing as well. And, and I hope that that's something that we can keep using into the future. Yeah, I think there tends to be, uh, you know, marketing and sales teams come together and then they go off in separate directions and are potentially targeting the same accounts with campaigns that are at odds with conversations that are being had or, or any sales activity. So just really thinking about integrating those, particularly when it's a complex cycle like Microsoft, where you could be selling in 20 different SKUs and there could be nine different campaigns and you know 30 different partner events running at the same time. 
you understand my world. Yes. <laughs> uh, li- lived it for, for a little while. And, and just drawing on your um, consulting experience, Forever the Consultant, Sydney, what, what do you think the biggest barriers are as, as you look across your marketing org, as you look across your partnership with the, the sales teams and, and partners? What's the biggest barrier to change, like really transforming how you're driving customer outcomes, transforming how these teams operate? Yes. Change is hard. Mm. Change is really hard for folks. And, you know, I think the uh, it's two things that come to mind for me. One is that do people understand the why behind the change? And maybe the second is, do they also understand the threats in the environment if they don't change? I think that people in all roles are trying their best and that they want to be really successful And change can be particularly hard when a team is hitting their current success measures. And for them, there's, they don't feel that burning need to change because things are going, things are going great. And in that case, um, you really do have to share why something different has to happen. And, and you have to ensure that the team, the group, the roles involved understand that the current approach will eventually have diminishing returns, even if you don't feel that today. And I think without those two components, the why behind the change and and understanding the the threats, um, change is just going to be slow. So those are the two that I try to focus on. Just thinking about the kind of catalyst for change, and you, you talked about this idea of diminishing returns just now, something that we've seen through uh, some of our research studies is um, your marketing's perception is riding at an all-time high, particularly over the last couple of years. Do, do you think that the, the, the last the pandemic, the last few years has been a big catalyst for, for driving this change, or, or do you think marketing had reached a point where it had to, to shift, it had to transform? Well, well, first, I love to hear that. I think that that is amazing and positive that that perception is is changing and that the recognition of the the hard work that marketers do across the board is growing so that's that's great you know i think then the past couple of years it is a number of things coming together to get us to this point one is you know the the pandemic has required all of us to look at different ways to reach and connect and marketing is kind of perfectly positioned to keep those conversations, those relationships alive when being physically present wasn't an option. And and then I think at the same time, marketing leaders have really started to step into that position as growth leader and being able to represent that work and speak in the terms of the business in a way that I, I think is just really changed and grown toward the positive as well. So I think those two those two pieces together has has uh, is hopefully you know what's part of 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 uh, driving that improved perception and I'm excited to be a part of that positive trajectory continuing. Yeah, what was your perception having moved into a marketing role in, and working on in in other consulting services roles? Uh, what what was your perception coming in? Did you have one? Yeah, I think I think. Sometimes the business language, as I mentioned, wasn't always there. Like the, I think the, it's funny, oftentimes the actual goals were quite aligned. It was how did we verbalize that those were the goals we were going after and how did we share from a marketing lens, how the 
the tactics we were putting in place, how the actions we were taking actually accrued to those goals. I think that's the tricky part with marketing is how, how does doing those things you just said get me <laughs> what, what the goal we've agreed to is. And so I think those things are where, where I've seen us get a lot better and have people been like, oh, I get it. I, I get it now. So I think it's I think it's super positive. Fantastic. So see, seeing a bit of an evolution from speaking Latin to perhaps moving to to, to English um, over the years. I'd love to finish Sydney on um, your advice for marketing leaders to become more effective at, at, at driving customer outcomes. What what would your top top two or three pieces of advice be for other marketing leaders? I think it's really that language piece is super important and. How can you make sure that you're speaking in the language of the varied audiences we have in, in marketing and that language of the sales, uh, the salesperson, the sales leader, it is different than the language of marketers. It's different than the language our customers speak to us. And I think if we can really tap into how can we communicate what we're doing, how it ladders up to the ultimate goal and, and do that then in the language that best resonates with folks from their vantage point, I think that's the great, that's the great unlock. And, and certainly I think, you know, marketing is a growth engine for any organization and to really embrace that and embrace sharing that is what I would say to go off and do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sydney. I've definitely taken some tips away in terms of how we should be looking at data um, and love love the idea of um, moments to check the, the after action review that you touched on. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Thanks for the conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy and pioneers of account-based marketing. You can learn more at wearemomentum.com.